This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're starting off a new series of shows uh, with this one. It's called Expectations. And each one will take two players from the Ravens roster, and we're not trying to duplicate positional groups or do compare and contrast pieces, nothing like that. We're taking two players who have very disparate parts on the roster and allowing one person to, to uh, join me and for, for a discussion about uh, what expectations we reasonably really have for that player, how things might improve, how we'd hope their game would improve, and, uh, and what would be a win and, and uh, a win of maybe various levels on the scale uh, that we would look at for this year. So join me to talk about this first 
group, I'll say, this first pairing of players uh, is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How you doing? Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Uh, uh, so we're talking about our, the first player we're talking about today is Patrick Queen. I kind of want to let you start off with some thoughts about him in terms of where he was in 2021 and what we hope might be better. Um, I guess starting off as far as like, you know, where, like where he's staying, he's, I feel like he's entering a real pivotal, you know, year in both his career and his tenure with the Ravens. It can go one of one of two ways, but just going back to 2021, you know, it was a bit of a disappointing year overall for him. He kind of rounded the shape second half of the season, you know, once his role was, you know, somewhat limited and, you know, to that, to the, to, Limited to that will roll and kind of less thinking more, you know, firing off the hip, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. it, like I said, over, overall, it was a bit of a down year. And um, um, that I, I hope that the return of Mike McDonald, who was his, you know, linebacker's coach as a rookie, will help elevate his game back to where the trajectory we thought it was on after his rookie season. Yeah, McDonald will definitely be a key man in deciding how, certainly, obviously, how Queen is used this year. But I think it's very important that he makes sure that Queen gets the right coaching this year and also that he um, uses him to the degree he can really help the team as opposed to what the Ravens hope he can be. And obviously, Queen, in, in his first parts of his first two seasons, really, was used in is still in the in the role the Ravens hope that he could take as opposed to the role that probably is more natural for him. Uh, the move to the will uh, was was a very good one for him. Getting him off on the field on uh, off the field on most third downs, I think was also a, a good thing in terms of exploiting what he does well. Uh, he very quick still does a lot of things well. And, and uh, you know, some of that sideline to sideline chase speed, very useful, particularly from that wheel spot. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. I think he's the guy that's, um, especially in the run game, he's, he, he's, he can missile. he's the guy that can shoot gops like the best of them, you know, once he knows where he's going and, and you know, where, where to fill and where to shoot. So um, in the run game, I feel like he's, he's really just fine. He's working on his tackling a little bit better. But um, like I said, like, as we all very well know, the, the glaring weaknesses in his game is not only in coverage, but in uh, pass game recognition. Yeah, a lot, a lot of pass game recognition. I, I want to go back to the run game for just a second because that, that was an area where I, I don't see the situation as being perfect by any means with, with Patrick Queen in terms of the run game. I still think he has a lot of trouble shedding blocks in particular, and that's something he's going to need to uh, uh, get used to. One of the things, he doesn't have terrible length or anything. He, he could use some of his length well, particularly if he wants to go with one arm. A lot of what he needs to do is um, be able to absorb contact a little better. He's, he's at times shown a little bit of an aversion for contact, uh, both as a tackler and I think as a, as a block shedder. He's too willing to accept a stalemate from an offensive lineman, which is not something you can do when you're playing on the inside. Yeah, totally. As a former linebacker myself, I can't, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Nobody, nobody likes taking on that pulling guard, especially when, you know, they're getting on the horse and they're coming straight at you. And um, I, for me, especially like, you know, playing, you know, play up in Alaska, you play against a lot of Polynesians and those guys typically lead head first. And so, um, you know, nobody wants to get blown off the blown off the ball by, you know, somebody's 300 something pounds, you know, runs probably went to four, eight or four, nine, you know, so I, you know, you understand that version from like, you know, a practical standpoint, but, you know, from your positional standpoint like you know this is your job you're supposed to take on these things you're supposed to blow up blow up those blockers and shed those blockers get underneath them at least to make a play so um i understand from a practical sense but you know you, it's in the job description that you gotta you gotta be able to shed those blocks and at least dip under and make a play 
Yeah, he's, he's certainly got the tools, it appears. I don't think his size is a hindrance. I mean, his, his play speed could is, is one of the things he needs to improve. But his play speed certainly did improve a lot, moving to the will spot as opposed to the mic spot, where he really appeared lost. He, he really has to lead to the point of attack from the mic spot. He was much more comfortable trailing to the point of attack when he's, when he's trailing a player like Josh Bynes, who plays a lot faster than he is, when it's just the opposite, unfortunately, for Queen. Yeah, he's definitely a player that plays a lot faster, you know, unless he has to think, unless he has to process. So, you know, when you got him in like a complimentary role or paired up with somebody who does all that field general stuff, he, he's like, a you know, somebody can just really go out there and hunt. I feel like that's the role he feels most comfortable in. But that's necessarily the, the world that the Ravens drafted him to be. And they wanted him to eventually be that field general. Um, you know, the fact that it's, you know, we're approaching year three and he's still quite not there. I wouldn't say it's like an overwhelming disappointment, but it's like, you know, OK, when are we going to see that? You know that that turn won't see take command, and I I really feel like the return of Mike McDonald is going to help him um, to get back to that trajectory that he looked like he was on as a rookie when he was a you know defensive rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, I think McDonald is is you know certainly can help him. The other guy who I think probably will relate to him a lot better is Zach Orr. Yeah, because you know I, 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 a young first of all a younger coach I think is always more relatable to players. The closer the age gap is, I mean if it's only ten years. That's fine. Some people have a natural ability to coach younger players in certain ways. Like I, I think of of uh, Delisandro as being a guy who who can who does a great job with um, Delisandro Delisandris. Sorry, mm-hmm. I have that wrong. Our ex mayor of Baltimore here, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Delisandris being a guy who who could coach linemen of uh, of different ages without a problem. You don't have to adapt to to to. To, to learning his style that much. It's just kind of there. And, and uh, I think it, I think it relates pretty well in terms of being very specific in terms of physical movements and getting that, getting that down. I, I, I hope that Orr will be able to, um, you know, share some of that wealth. He was a, a really good coverage linebacker. Zach Orr was. Yes. And, and definitely something that, that he could pass on. Yeah, that's something I, I can't believe I, told, I follow these based on Zach Orr, but yeah, he's going to be, I feel like he's going to be a really invaluable resource for Patrick Queen. It's because like, you know, like uh, he, he was, he was to me. He was better. Zach Lord to me was better in pass coverage than even C.J. Mosley was during their time in Baltimore. It's because you know the not just not just his pass game recognition, but the place he made on the ball. You know, always knows where to be and in his drops and you know the natural feel he had and you know in zone coverage especially. And I feel like he's gonna. It's it's, it's one thing to have a coach like you know like you know with respect to. Um, Rob Ryan, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to have, you know, a, a coach to show you what to, you know, show you what to do with his hands and his words. But when a coach can actually get down and actually show you what to do, like during, during the drill, that's, that's really invaluable. One of my favorite coaches, uh, you know, growing up in high school, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, coach Chris Austin, and he was the kind of guy, he, they keep, he, uh, he'd get down in three point stance and show you, this is what you got to do. God damn it. And, you know, and it'd be fire off the fire off the line of scrimmage and all that. So, you know, having a coach that can not just show you, with his, tell you what his words, but show you with his, you know, with his own body and his own movements, and you know this guy's the tape to know to prove that. I only do I know this stuff. I did this stuff, so I right. think that's going to be great. You can definitely see there's a significant relatability gap between Queen and uh, and Rob Ryan that it, that it, it it really wasn't working or it did not appear to be working in camp, and and I think Orr will be better. I think uh, Rob Ryan, the fact that he's gone out after one year is is highly indicative of the fact that I've got to I've got to be pretty close to the mark in terms of of how I viewed the thing at camp. It's just the relationship did not seem to obviously work, and he's gone after a year. And look, 
it's not it's not Bynes that needs a ton of coaching. Sure, Christian Welch, the, he, he might have been getting through to him, but it's Patrick Queen. If you can't coach Patrick Queen, you're not going to be the linebackers coach of the, of the Baltimore Ravens for, for this coming year because that's what they need done. They need Patrick Queen to step up and demand that the Ravens, you know, basically buy into his fifth-year option. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like I said, it's a real pivotal um, season, you know, for him in off season because now they don't want to just see it. You know, they don't want to wait till September to see it. They want to see that maturation through OTAs, mini camp, training camp. Mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt that the Ravens are going to play many of any of their starters in the preseason. But Patrick Freeman might be one of the few guys, you know, who's projected to be a starting lineup that might see some action in some exhibition games just because they want to see it. You know, yeah. Yeah, he, he should see time. He needs live fire. And the excuses have been hot and heavy for the last couple of years. Oh, he didn't have a camp and then, you know, COVID and this and that, you know, and, and, and he only started playing linebacker late. Look, I, whatever the situation was, it's got to be corrected now in year three. And, and whatever the excuses are, they, they no longer matter. Okay, even even if they're true, even if if Patrick Queen is, you know, had the world imposed upon him in an unfair manner and it's just it just didn't work out. And it, it doesn't matter to the Baltimore Ravens. They need to figure out what they have right now with Patrick Queen and decide if he's worth a fifth year option. I want to get back to, to some of the other things you were mentioning, too, because the coverage, there's there's two components to it that I really want to see better. And I think one of them you, you mentioned offhandedly, but the Ravens got beat like a drum by opposing running backs in terms of them targeting Queen specifically. And and he has all the speed necessary to cover a running back. And he can do it on a wheel route where it's fairly obvious that he has to take that that, that coverage. The problem seems to be on screen passes. He's just not over there quickly <clears throat> enough in keeping his recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's almost like, you know, I want his eyes play tricks on him. He's like late picking that up or reading, like, you know, reading and reacting. He's like, it's, if it's not a clear cut, you know, call like at, at at the snap or, you know, shortly, shortly thereafter, you know, it's, it's he just like either overcommits too early or just doesn't see it. But by the time you already got blockers out in front of him, you're, you're getting caught up in the wash. So it's, it's one of those things where you'd like to see him like, you know, read screen a little bit earlier and, you know, be able to get there. Use that credible athleticism that we all know that he has and he's flat several times you know you know on tape but you know you just want to see it you, know, you want to see the the, the speed that we know he has matches you know his thinking speed his processing speed so that he can make those plays and kind of have show some foresight yeah absolutely and and the other area of the the passing game that i think has been a problem i complain about this in general with with about line, inside linebackers because the ravens had you know for a long time here now since mosley left almost Almost no one who could do this. Bynes and Ford each have it to, to a degree, but they don't have anybody like like Mosley or, frankly, like Zach Orr was back in the day uh, who could uh, read the routes off the line of scrimmage and understood what was going on behind him so that he understood you know, he, could, he could have an impact on a passing lane. He can even threaten the passing lane. He can close a window um, by by his movement that will distract a quarterback, maybe cause him to pull the ball down. Um, This team is set up to play some wonderful zone defense, but it's not going to, it's not going to hold up if players like Patrick queen can't do some of that to threaten at the first level, what creates opportunity at levels two and three at that behind that. Yeah. And I got, I got, I got two points. I want to go off on this. I mean, there's, there's no better iteration of that than what you, what you just described as the, the play that pretty much got, 
the Ravens into the playoffs in 2018 with C.J. Mosley being able to make oh, yeah. the play in the second level. That's exactly what we're talking about right here. A guy who's yeah. able to read that and then make not just not just you know like I said you know not just you know make a you know get in the passing lane but make a play on the ball. I mean that's yeah. that 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 play right there showed us everything that we, you know, we that we were eventually going to miss from C.J. Mosley in these in these uh, in these ensuing years. We absolutely saw that. We've seen plays from Josh Bynes. I mean, right away to see the kind of instincts that he has to go to where the ball's going to go. Uh, the interception against the Steelers in that yep. first game that he played, and then the interception later against Deshaun Watson, where he's got no business being in that spot, and yet he, he, he runs into the middle of the field in a spot that he thinks Watson is going to drop the ball off on a screen. Yeah. And he had one last year, I think, about against, against Miami, or I forget, remember, at the goal line where he got up and had the little volleyball bat down where you like you know if you feel like if maybe was a little bit younger more athletic josh but maybe could have hauled that in for an interception but but that's the been. kind of thing that we want to see from our linebackers is somebody who can you know read read and react and you know make a play on the ball so that's the kind of thing i really want to see and that's the kind of thing i feel like you know and really i feel like what, what what's happening with chuck clark you know like whatever happened to chuck clark is really like really my impact you know how patrick how much of the field patrick queen is going to see this season because if chuck clark stays and they run uh, as much time as we're all projecting him to, to run. I feel like his role is going to get reduced no matter what, no matter what happens, you know. But if yeah. Chuck Clark does leave, then but I mean honestly, I think I feel like Tony Jefferson can, can you know can take some of those dime linebacker snaps too. So I feel like whether Chuck goes or stays or goes, we're like the Ravens are going to have to see a lot from from Patrick Queen to be not enticed to use to leave their safeties on the field and use them more often, more so than taking than, than leaving him on. So I feel like whether Chuck Clark goes or leaves. They really, you really got to see him develop. You are preaching to the preacher in this particular case, not even the choir. But, uh, but uh, I am absolutely, you know, the, the probably the foremost proponent of diamond quarter packages for this particular group of safeties that they have. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm completely behind you on that, and uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. The Jefferson replacing the Mike and and Clark replacing the. The uh, the will to be to play that dimebacker role that he was so outstanding at in 2019 just makes all kinds of sense. I just I, I have a hard time believing they won't do it. Even if they didn't do that, it wouldn't be hard to see Hamilton at the will spot with Stone on the back end and Jefferson at Mike. So even if Clark goes, I think they're going to be they're going to be tempted. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm just so excited to see what Tony Jefferson can do in a more expanded role on defense. Just, I mean, if you just look at the plays that he made in the Bengals game, you know, the second oh, yeah. Bengals game, it was amazing. The plays he made down the field at the intermediate intermediate level, getting the sack, and then you saw what he did against the Rams. You know, firing into the backfield on on that two point conversion. Oh, the two point conversion play, right? Yeah, and just like all the like, man, if this guy could just play more consistently instead of you know leaving our linebackers on the field, who granted, yeah, we've invested a lot in, but you know, it's a detriment to the entirety of the defense you know who cares at this point yeah i mean jefferson always been a better player in the box than on the back end in fact that was my analysis of him coming there was that he really wasn't a very impressive back end player he was a run fit player very good at that he'll have an opportunity to basically spy the quarterback a lot at playing out of that mic role on obvious passing downs he'll have a great opportunity to do some of the things that we would hope linebackers do about understanding what's going on behind him. He may or may not, by the way, be truly outstanding at that, but I do believe he's going to understand how to maintain zone coverage from his time on the back end, understand where he needs to be underneath relative to those players on the back. So he's just, he's much better positioned to be a valuable asset on passing downs to me than, than whoever the Ravens, frankly, might have uh, in that Mike role at the time. 
Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And he even, he even showed in the, in the Bengals game that he can make some plays downfield too. If it wasn't for him, they, T. Higgins probably would score another touchdown on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good, good tackler too. So you know, it's, it's something obviously they they really appreciate having there. But yeah, both those guys, both both Clark and Jefferson, uh, could take snaps away from Queen. Uh, Kyle Barber made the point to me, and it's incredible that he has such things. But he has a a some sort of a notification system that tells him anybody who's following when they make a change to his profile, their profile. And Patrick Queen apparently deleted his references to the Ravens on his profile. Yeah. Which was interesting. And it, it, it happened after the first night of the draft at like 1.04 a.m. or some such when Kyle Hamilton had just been drafted. Yeah, yeah. I listened to that episode that you guys recorded, and you know, I, I saw that too when when Kyle first tweeted it out, and I was like, "Oh damn, here we go again." You know, it's, it's you know, it's part of this this new generation, you know, of, of of athletes that really you know use social media as a as a platform to not just not just speak their mind and their opinions, but also you know, in some ways, send messages to teams and how to go about business. Like you know, people disseminate information through there, and you know, express themselves through there, and so it's a, it's really a, a new age of um, expression, I'll say, of the, whether it's uh, pleasure or displeasure. Um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a new world we live in. And um, yeah, it, it's, whoever thought in the year, it's in, you know, five, even 10, you know, 10, even five years ago that, you know, we'd be monitoring people's social media uh, profile he- headings or whatever, you know, as far as news nuggets. But that's just the world we yeah. live in today. It's, uh, it, it is a strange world. I'm sure there'll be more, you know, as, as we go further. We, it, this, we're not stopping the train right here. The train's in motion. Oh, no. And so, and so there's going to be, there'll be more uh, stuff there. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about, in terms of Patrick Queen, I have kind of three levels from him. Like what would be a good result for 2022, a great result, and an off-the-charts result? And I'm just going to – I'll set out the good result first, is, is that he becomes a valuable two-down Will linebacker. He becomes a guy you want on the field there, and he's, and he's a plus player on the field. He gives you a little bit of something on the pass rush, which that hasn't really been a problem. He's done, he's done a good amount of things, giving early down pass rush – to, to the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm, I'm happy with that so far. He becomes a, uh, you know, a, a, a run player you can really depend on for a little more diagnosis, but he becomes a guy you actually want on the field for two downs as your will, whether or not you can still live with his coverage responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. That that's that, that's like kind of like the baseline for me. Like you know, more of what we saw last year on a consistent basis, plus some more you know ability as far as you know block shedding and you know uh, and, and physicality and not kind of getting bullied sometimes when you're not we don't have free releases or you know be able to shoot a gap. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great point. I think your point about him being a reactive player, you can afford to do that. I mean, Ray Lewis at times in his career really benefited from having guys kept off him. Syracuse and Adams, you know, they, they kept bodies off him, and that allowed Ray to roam free and make some enormous plays. But it can't always be that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got you got to accept kind of the tough situations as well as the bad ones. Sometimes you got to take out the trash. And taking out the trash, in, in the case of an inside linebacker, is trying to shed that block so that one of or, – or maintain your position while shedding a block that, that your, your teammate – can then make a play off that. And I just, that's, you know, that's an area of improvement. It's an area yeah. of, you got to be willing, you got to be willing and capable to, you know, really put your nose in there and, and, and you know, eat, like, take out the trash, eat some, eat some dirt, you know, like even if you, even if it, it, you know, it winds up, it's you face down on the ground. But if you love to play in the process, you did your job, man. 
Yeah, you 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 cover hockey, so you know you go in the corner after the puck and you eat a little glass sometimes. Oh yeah, and, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's it's definitely a uh, uh, but it's a but, but it's a sacrifice you make, and it's a, it's a job that somebody's got to do uh, whenever the puck goes in the corner, basically in hockey. So yep, someone's got to do it. Yeah. All right. So so that was a good was become a valuable two down will the great is become a player who could be used interchangeably again at Mike or Will, which that would really take a big step up for Patrick Queen to be a guy who, who they're, they're, yeah, they're happy with his Will two down play at Will, but they can also maybe even leave him on the field, depending on situations in, in a Mike role, or they could even use him as the Mike if they, if they lost Josh Bynes or if, if they didn't really have the player who was perfectly suited. Yeah, my yeah. So I I, I root you on those points, but also I, I'd like to add that you know for great it'd be not not being a liability in coverage. That would be great, you know. Like you know the next step as far as off the charts would be you know being a playmaker in coverage. You know I know we're going to yeah. get there in a second, but to me great would be not being a liability in coverage. You know maybe somebody who's who's not necessarily going to get beat over the middle or get you know get befuddled or you know bamboozled by screens and you know running backs running running angles or Texas routes out the backfield or tight ends you know. Get, you know, getting behind them. So I think not being a liability, not being a liability in coverage would be great. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think that's implicit in the second one. I, I, I would put it exactly in that category. The off the charts result for queen to me is to become a player. The team can't afford to take off the field. So basically I, I, I'm not saying that Patrick queen has to become Ray Lewis or, or CJ Mosley even, or, or Zach or even, you know, because all those guys were guys that the, the, the team was loath to take off the field by the time they were they were done. Uh, Bart Scott might fit into that category, though they did find times to get Bart Scott some some time on the sideline. I, I just want them to, to be in a position where it's very difficult for them to find a way to get a better player in there. It should be the case that Patrick Queen is a much more gifted athlete than Tony Jefferson. It should be the case that he that the Ravens want to keep him on the field. And right now, I don't think it should be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm in total grades with you. You know, you really want to, you really hope by 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 year by year three, especially that you know your first round pick, you you know, devote a lot of time and energy to that would you know be become an indispensable player for you to where like you know we you know our our defense, our defense is significantly worse when he's not on the field instead of our defense is actually better when we substitute out with somebody who knows what they're doing and you know on on third downs who's more than just a two early down player. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, if, if that's all he is at this point, well, that's all he is. And if he's a good one, I'm, you know, it would still be a, a win. If, if all he can be is a good two down player, then that's still a win for the Ravens. But, but if, if he's going to generate himself a fifth year option, I think he almost, he has to come in somewhere between, it probably has to be a great, at least on this. Uh, and not not necessarily an off the charts player, but he at least has to be a guy who you can use interchangeable as the Mike or Will. I don't see them expending the money and, and not be a liability in coverage, as you said. I don't see them expending the money on a fifth year option on him. Uh, otherwise, I mean, the, the Pittsburgh declined the fifth year option on Devin Bush. That's who I was going to bring up. If you don't want to be the next Devin Bush, you got to show us some more, man. Devin White, I don't think, by the way, has played any really better than Bush over over his time. They were drafted five and ten in the same draft. Uh, Tampa Bay did pick up the fifth year option on him, but uh, but honestly, both of them have uh, have been not as good as you would hope. I got, you know, linebackers do take time to learn. I understand that, but it, still, it's uh, huge premiums were paid for inside linebackers 
that uh, did not follow through on the thing. Jordan Brooks hasn't really done it to, to the degree expected in Seattle. He was drafted right before Queen. I'm trying to think where Kenneth Murray is right now in terms of his development, but I, I don't think I don't think any of them are exactly where the teams have hoped at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree, I agree. Also, and I feel like what what's been Devin White saving grace is that one he was on a Super Bowl team and he had an incredible playoff run, but he also makes a lot of splashy plays. So you know when when you make a lot of splashy splashy plays, like you know he, he gets a lot of sacks and you know like you know cool cool turnovers and interceptions like that. When you can make the splashy splashy plays and you know kind of glosses over. Some of the inconsistencies in your game. So you know, if, if, you, if you get if you get beat here and there, but still like come up with a game changing interception or forced fumble or a sack, then people are gonna get, gonna forget about some of the bad plays. I, I think Tampa Bay fans probably understand to to a similar degree to us how frustrating it can be to watch Devin White play the same way that we understand Patrick Queen, because there's other people still have that have Patrick Queen under the 10 best defenders under 25. And he's one of the, you know, great young defenders in the league. I mean, that I'm not seeing that right now. I'm seeing a guy who has, you know, a lot of problems to solve to become a solid NFL player and, 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 and more still to do to become an, a really exceptional NFL playmaker. Uh, I, I think that the Tampa Bay fans are probably very aware of the frustration with, with Devin White. It's the rest of the league who sees the splash plays, just like we have with Queen. His first two seasons, Queen's made a ton of plays. He's mm-hmm. made some great sacks. He's, you know, forced fumbles coming from behind against, uh, um, uh, I think it was Burrow in his first year, right? It was a Cincinnati yeah. game. Yeah, we smacked yeah. him from behind and forced the fumble, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's just had some terrific plays. It's it's just he needs, he needs to be much more uh, uh, consistent in that regard. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, let's move on. We've got another player to discuss on this pod, and, and the second one is Isaiah Likely, just drafted as a tight end out of Coastal Carolina this last year. Uh, popular pick, I think, a second Ravens tight end drafted, and you know what they say about the second tight end drafted is often better than the first. Yeah, yeah, that that I mean, that's, that's at least what history shows, right? You know, with Nick Boyle outlasting Max Williams and Dennis Petta becoming Joe Flacco's best friend, and Ed Dixon, you know, moving on. Nick has been on like four or five different teams since then. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it's, I mean, no disrespect to Hurston Hurst Andrews. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I almost forgot Hurston Hurston Andrews. You know, um, and then you know, no disrespect to you know Charlie Kolar, and you know, I, I just I just wrote a little something about him today, but it's just you know. Likely was 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 much higher rated for me on you know when I was going through tight ends like I I spent a lot of time studying tight ends during you know the pre draft process and he was my third ranked guy behind behind um uh, McBride and 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 Ruckert so he's a guy I, I really liked and I I spent a lot of time doing tape on I feel like he could I feel like I want to say Hayden Hurst two point but he can do a lot of the things in the Ravens offense that Hayden Hurst did and I've been banging the drum for the past you know ever since they traded Hayden Hurst that you know you you got you got to effectively find somebody that can re, that can replace what he brought to the table for the Ravens. And I feel like they found that in likely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they've got a few things that they, that they want to do. I know most of the talk about likely has been treating him as a receiver and flexing him out instead of playing him in line. And actually the, the inline and the flex role have more similarities to them than the motion slash backfield role. All right, because both both cases an inline tight end, particularly if you look at old um, footage of Todd Heap, video of Todd Heap, you'll notice he he kind of is more forward than the offensive tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's kind because he's trying to get a, a quicker release off the ball 
and you know he's, he's more likely going out. You you can still block from that position, but usually it's a, it's a pretty strong indication that the tight end is going out for a pass. Either way, those guy those two get the better releases of tight ends. If you play in motion, you usually don't you, you know you're limited in terms of the routes you can run off that. If you have a blocking responsibility on the inside, obviously you're very limited. If you play in the backfield, you're very limited in terms of what you can do. If you're expected to chip you're very limited in terms of what you can do in terms of the route. So, so the, the coveted tight end positions are when you flex and when you play at the end of the line of scrimmage and can release immediately. Uh, I, I, I think likely will actually be a lot more valuable to the Ravens if he can fulfill uh, some of the characteristics he had as a um, uh, as a college player at Coastal Carolina where he, he was used in a lot of different move roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I just feel like you know he could he could be a street. He's a really great seam stretcher. You know, down the middle of a defense, he averaged like fifteen point five yards per catch, and he's like he's a beast after the catch. So I feel like he could be a really a really good weapon in this offense. And I was really surprised that he went you know behind Kolar and some of the other guys that uh, went went before him. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like of Brevin Jordan from last year to Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he was going to go a lot higher than he ended up going. He ended up going in the fourth round to the Texans, and he's just I view him in the same similar role he was a nice seam stretcher you know a better move than a than a um, traditional now brevin jordan was very fast right wasn't that wasn't that true of him or do i have that wrong no he was he, he was he was fast and i know i likely didn't didn't run a fast 40 but if you watch his tape that the dude can burn yes he's i i agree he plays a lot faster on tape so uh, the ravens must know something the ravens i i always like to believe the ravens know a lot more certainly than I would about about what players to draft but but also that they know more than than the measurables are giving them based on what's going on so I, I, I you know that's what I saw on tape too is you know this guy is not a 4840 guy that not I'm at looking all. at and and uh, yeah he, he he looked much better than that T- to me I, I think it's important that he find a role under Roman's offense that he that he's indispensable in but then also that he fulfills as many roles as as possible. And maybe this is a layered growth situation for likely where, where they find one thing he does really well as a rookie, where they find three things he does really well as a rookie, and then they layer on two more things this year and two more things next year to make him a more complete tight end. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm lockstep with you with, as far as that. Um, just really kind of like figuring out like how the how the Ravens are going to deploy, you know, these because like, for the longest time, you know, for the last few years, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like they don't have a complimentary pass catching threat to injuries and tight end position, and now you have two, um, you know, and if, if Boyle comes back and you know and it's really healthy, you know, then you possibly have you know four including him, and then you still got you know Patrick Ricard whose whose role in the passing game has grown you know each each and every year. So I'm I'm really excited, especially though for for likely he's a guy I really like you know <laughs> no pun intended he's a guy I really like you know coming out and I feel like you know especially in this Greg Roman offense I feel like he could really cook up something special with him pairing him with Andrews. Yeah, so you know, play action schemes in general. Um, he, he's he's got he's certainly got a role to play. I mean, a guy who can get off the line of scrimmage pretty quickly, who who has good yak ability, is a guy you want able to find a spot in the seam. So he's got to prove he's that guy for starters. Some of that isn't going to be a function of him as much as it's a function of the wide receivers being able to peel off the top layer of that defense. I do have really serious questions about the Ravens being able to do that this year. It's one of the things about the, about the offense that I think is, is limited. 
Yeah, and, and like I said I, I I feel I'd be a proponent. I'm not I'm not in the Julio Jones camp. I'm not in that camp. But like, you know, if they want to bring in a veteran guy like a Will Fuller or Deshaun Jackson or somebody can really take the top off of the defense, just to bring an element, you know, just to have that have that speed element and kind of open some more things up underneath. You know, as much as you know, as much as I disagree with you know with Hollywood Brown and you know with some of his reasons for wanting to leave, you know, he was used as a decoy for a lot of time to kind of open mm-hmm. up some things underneath for Andrews and other players. So in that in that sense, you know, I, I am I, I do agree with him and i feel like the ravens you know like really do need to add some more speed i don't i don't that's why i was never the biggest fan of the whole jarvis landry to baltimore thing because i felt like his skill set even though he brought you know a, a good edge you know because steve smith's senior like edge as far as redundant skill set i really feel like you know we could have got the Absolutely. same we could have got the same production and things he brought to the game from james prochet like I, I'm, I'm tired of people saying give prochet a chance and him not getting that chance give him a chance he can be that jarvis landry like receiver but what you really need is speed which is something they're kind of lacking right now yeah, I, I, I agree completely with, with all of those points. I mean, this, the speed is really the thing. And we just saw it happen in a year at running back where the Ravens could not threaten the edge appropriately from running back. I mean, a bunch of elder statesmen running backs in after the, the loss of Dobbins. But even with Dobbins and Edwards, um, they really didn't have that single speed back. The guy who we'd hoped for was Tyson Williams. He had it. He had a speed. He'd give you a little bit of power to off the edge. Uh, he certainly could, could threaten it in a, in a major way. But for whatever reason... Uh, he lost the faith of the coaches with some combination of fumbling and other invisible circumstances. Yeah, that'll just remain a mystery lost till the tales of time. Maybe John Arbaugh do a tell-all one day, and he'll he'll, he'll explain <laughs> he'll explain why he put him in a doghouse and left him there to die. But you know, until that time comes, we'll we'll never know. I, I think I think that tell-all book from Harbaugh is about will come out just right after you, you, the Nixon book of telling everything he knows about Watergate. You know, at the time, it's just it's it, <laughs> that book is never going to be written. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the one thing I'll say about likely that I don't think we've hit on so far is the Ravens are, are put already. I think a lot of their eggs in the thirteen personnel basket for this year. You know, the fact that they didn't really go after another receiver to me indicates they're they're really trying to duplicate 2019 more than they're trying to create a 2020 or 21 offense, uh, which is more wide receiver based. And and in so doing, um, they really need to have tight ends that each can do things to threaten the defense in multiple ways when they're on the field. And and the reason is you're an opposing defensive coordinator and the, the other team puts 13 personnel on the field. Well, you know, you get to react to that. You get to decide how you deploy your defense on that. And I want it to be a real question of what are the Ravens really trying to do when 13's on the field? Um, and and if, it, if it means they can go heavy and slug you into the ground, then you're not as comfortable putting extra defensive backs on the field in, in that circumstance. Uh, and if it if if it otherwise means that you know you're you uh, you're really set in terms of play action things you want to run right off the line of scrimmage, well, then the other team's not as concerned about it, and they'll put in their their more their coverage guys who really understand what's going on. And more than that, they'll they'll narrow down your playbook and your and your play choices more. Yeah, I think you know a lot of the beauty of the 2019 Ravens offense is they were just so predictable. You, I, I'm not, not predictable, so unpredictable. You never knew where they were going to run or pass. You know, or they would never their play action get 
play action, you know, passing game could really, you know, beat you over the top because they had multiple, you know, guys at those tight end positions. You know, Hayden Hurst is a guy that could burn. Mark Andrews is a guy we, that we know that we know can burn. You know, and Nick Paul even was a, was a nice underneath guy who could do some stuff, you know, underneath for you. So I think bringing back some of that, you know, unpredictability, even though people wanted to see the natural maturation or you know progression of this offense, you know, but when and you don't want to lose yourself in that process of striving to be something more or something different. You know, I feel like you know, kind of leaning back toward you know what 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 got them to be one of the better teams in the league is not a bad thing. You know, I don't I don't view it as as backtracking, but more getting back to your roots and you know doing what what works best for you and and, and building on that instead of trying to you know become something that you're not. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And there's there's a there's a line from Lord of the Rings I'll bring up right now is that uh, Gandalf is talking to Saruman and he and he and he says uh, he who breaks a thing to find out what it is has lost the path of wisdom. And this is exactly the case with the Roman offense. I mean, it's the highest scoring offense in the entire NFL over 2019 and 20. But we have to adapt. We have to become something different because uh, we, we can't win this way. <laughs> and then you say, well, wait a minute. We were, you know, 37 and 12 during the regular season or whatever their record was. And, and, and they say, but you, but you lost in the playoffs. There's always a, a bar that can be extended to say this strategy hasn't worked for any team that hasn't won the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. And, you know, the Ravens have not. They have been one of the NFL's best franchises and best teams undeniably over that period. But they they have not won a Super Bowl with Jackson yet. And until that's answered, you know, there's always going to be people popping up saying you can't win with this offense. Yeah, and that really frustrates me because not only is the sample size so small with this offense and in this particular quarterback and, you know, in this, in this team, but like if you isolate each of each of those playoff losses and, and really to what they were, like, you know, the Buffalo game, like was a crazy swirling, you know, the wind. And, you know, like who, who could anticipate that, you know, it was going to be, you know, batshit weather in Buffalo that day and the Justin Tucker was going to miss, you know, chip shot field goals and stuff like that, you know, things that you normally be in, you know, buckets for the Ravens are, you know, uncharacteristically going awry, you know, and then a deterioration of an offensive line, you know, if you look at it, like the Ravens are still in that game before Lamar gets knocked out of the game because of the high snap. And like, if you, if you really, I, I, I got an argument with the barber about this, um, not Kyle Barber, but a barber of mine. Yeah, um, gotcha. I got an <laughs> argument with him about, I was like, dude, go back and watch those games. I'm not telling you to, you know, watch the entire Ravens season, but if you isolate those games and see what wrong went wrong in those games, I even pointed out specific plays for him. You know, the play before the before the pick six, uh, you know, if he gets a if he gets a little bit longer, you know, time to throw, he finds Marquise Brown wide open for a touchdown. You know, things like that. If you take these things as isolated incidents instead of, you know, you know, painting with broad, broad brush strokes. Oh, it's just an L and, you know, he can't win in the playoffs. But no, if you go back to the 2019 game and all those drops and, you know, this thing's kind of snowball. So you can't just, like, you know, lump it all in the, in the same category as if, oh, you know, he's one three in the playoffs and then that's in that, you know, that's, that's the end all be all. That's not the case. You know, this offense does work. We've proven that it can work. But, you know, when injuries pile up and, you know, unforeseen circumstances, you know, happen, then, you know, you'll, you'll get these, you'll get, you'll get these, you know, one and done seasons in the, in the playoffs. Or, you know, you'll make it past the division, you know, to the divisional round and something crazy, crazy will happen. But I feel like this Ravens team now, they're setting them outside of the speed element of receiver. I feel like they're setting themselves up well now to have the depth to withstand some of those losses. Some of, you know, the, the you know, they were to lose a tackle. You know, they have two or three more waiting in the, in the wings now. If they were to lose a tight end, they have two two, three more waiting in the rings in the rings now. Because, you know, Mark Andrews kind of being hobbled. Mark Ingram kind of being hobbled is really what kind of, you know, also contributed to that loss in 2019. So, yeah. 
Well, they, they, they'll never be able to sustain. No team could could sustain their level of play with the sort of injuries the Ravens had last year. And we nope. had people on from PFF and, and discussed that at length. But uh, if even if you even if you have a below average injury year, health is an enormous factor in the NFL. And it's kind of an enormous lucky factor to some degree. I mean, I believe I do believe there are things the Ravens can do to make themselves less injury prone. Uh, probably, I believe there's probably some things at least they need to inspect whether or not they can actually correct uh, with regard to camp injuries that they, they need to be able to consistently demonstrate a lower level of uh, injuries in camp, uh, you know, at least over time, be able to show that. I think we've, we've seen the last few years that, that the Ravens have been fairly injured in camp. They've run a, they run a heavy duty camp. They certainly run one where they where they have a lot of contact, and it it's seemed to me like that has not had a positive impact in the game. And particularly comparing it to the early Billick years, uh, you know, they talked about it being camp cream puff, but it certainly paid off at times for Billick. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly an advocate, you know, taking the somewhat of the Los Angeles Rams approach and having your starters and ones and twos and bubble wrap until the regular season. You know, like you know, I'm I'm fine with doing with walkthroughs with those guys and not getting them a whole lot, you know, not it, not a whole lot of, of any reps at all in preseason. I'm I'm a, I'm a proponent of not even playing your starters in the preseason. I think John Harbaugh is too now at this point. So yeah, um, I said, yeah, a, a few just rep those things. You know, and, and practice a lot, and then like the, the Rams. While the Rams don't, you know, like the when they don't play their starters in preseason, they go hard in joint practices. When they when they when they, when they go live in joint practices, they go hard then because it's still structured and you know kind of insulated to where like yeah they're going hard, yes. but they don't go to the ground. Yeah, they're going hard, but they don't do cut blocks and nothing crazy like that because they know they got to keep yeah. each other up with this practice. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for the Rams' approach to uh, training camp and how they keep their players relatively healthy. Cause we everybody says how the Rams are so top heavy, and you know they're one injury away from the the whole thing falling apart but they don't get injured because their guys stay healthy because their guys you know, they run insulated practices and and they don't work their guys too hard in the offseason and preseason to the point to where you know they're kind of paper mache towards the end of the season or in the middle of the season even so um, i'm all i'm all for that I, I hope the i hope the ravens can find a a better part on the efficient frontier of developing toughness with also maintaining an injury they are even a point on the efficient frontier because they're not they're not on the efficient frontier at all right now they, of of any kind of a, a good relationship between those two. But let's tie it back with likely here because I want to go do the same thing we did for Queen. I only have two levels for him, a good and a great year, mm-hmm. a good year to me. Um, I want him to avoid single slot usage. I don't want there to be just one thing you put Isaiah likely on the field for. And I think this goes very tightly in hand with get regular game day activations. Yeah, yeah, I want to see him in a multidimensional world where he's not just doing like one trick pony kind of thing, or just you know extreme extreme structure exclusively, but also like you know kind of being used in motion and you know how Kyle Haydenhurst was kind of used to kind of like I wouldn't say pulling, but you know used in motion to kind of get a jump start on blocking downfield to the second and third level. So that's what I want to see from him because I know he can do yeah. it. Yeah, I, I I know he can too, and it'd be nice to he, he, if he lines up in the backfield occasionally at a diamond formation. The Ravens used to show occasionally with Hurst. Mm-hmm. Great, also use of him, but it, it it shouldn't be just that. It shouldn't be just in line. It shouldn't be just flexed. It shouldn't be just in motion. It should be you know a good mix of stuff that they expect from a tight end, and and, and an obvious commitment to wanting to develop that tight end is a good indication that he's where he's on the track of where they want him to be. I'll come up with a great level for you though. 
I think if he stayed healthy for the season and he played a role similar to what Hayden Hurst did as a rookie, 20 to 30 targets, you know, maybe as many as 35 at the, at the very top end. I, don't, I honestly don't see him getting more than that. Um, if, if, he be, if he becomes that kind of a regular receiving option and part of the regular offense, I think he'd be just great. Yeah, I was like yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm right, I'm right there with you, Ken. I'm thinking anywhere between 200, 300 receiving yards, and you know, not necessarily a bunch of touchdowns because I feel like Mark Andrews and 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 Colar might eat some of those red zone targets. But I feel like you know, if he has anywhere between 250 to 300, 350, max 400 yards, that's that's being very generous. I feel like that'd be a sweet spot for him and a great rookie year for him. Yeah, I, I, that, that would be for sure. I mean, I'm really talking only about targets, so I, I could see him easily having between like 13 and 18 catches on the year, 13 and 20 at the outside kind of thing. And, and that would be fine. I mean, honestly, I, I think that'd be fine, and particularly if we saw some of the other plus elements to the game where he was a plus blocker mm-hmm. in level two, like you're talking about. You know, be, you don't have to be a guy who can necessarily take on a defensive end uh, one-on-one, but you have to be able to get up to level two and impede a linebacker. And, yep. and occasionally, you don't have to win it, just impede him. And and you, where you do have to, to win better is, is when you're up outside, ahead of the play in level two or three and you have a chance on a safety or a corner, you need to not miss and you need to try and keep your feet both. You need to basically try and be who Miles Boykin was, which was which was a just a terrific run blocker. I would love to have that at a likely. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. It's actually, how I you know was kind of describe. I, I was kind of projecting Kolar's um, uh, some of his ex- realistic rookie expectations year one is as far as like you know being a good, really good downfield blocker because I feel like he can take over. But we're going back to likely. Go back to likely. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like what you just said. It that could be the difference between a 15 yard gain. And an eighty-yard touchdown, you know, by you picking up that last that last line of defense block, you know, yep. to flat to flatten. You don't got to flatten the safety, but just you know, keep him from making the play on the on the guys running behind you and break him loose. And positionally block. I mean, you know, yep. you, if you oftentimes you just have to impede that guy. He's not really helping the defense very much by just getting stood up consistently. And mm-hmm. you know, the way that we always saw Boykin, just he wouldn't he wouldn't even have to get that much push. Although sometimes he would, uh, just being able to turn the guy the way Marshall Yanda could in the hole. Uh, Boykin had those kind of skills in in level two or three when he was going against a corner or a safety. And and I'd love to see more of that from him. I I, I it's obviously I'm I'm kind of. Um, Ticked is not the right word, but disappointed that Boykin is no longer a Raven at this point. I think I think he could still play a role for this team as it is right now, but uh, but likely is a good fresh start on the clock by at a similar type of uh, a size receiver slash tight end guy who can be used in multiple ways. It's it's just it's nice to reset the clock at times. Yeah, yeah, like. Boykin wasn't, you know, he wasn't a nasty blocker. You know, he wasn't like Mike Evans on, I forget that Bengals defensive back all those years ago. But he's not like, you know, Mike Evans on, you know, on one of those guys. He wasn't a nasty blocker. He was an effective blocker. And I feel like if we can get that from either one of these rookie tight ends, um, that, would, that would be really great. All right. Outstanding. Always a pleasure to talk football with you, Josh. You know, we've gone a little long here. We try, want to try and make the shorter content for people. But uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Uh, you can talk football with me on Twitter, um, you know, at uh, Josh Reed nine oh seven, or in the comments section under some articles at Baltimore Beatdown. I, I do respond to those on occasion, um, but um, yeah, and also um, my non-Ravens news. I guess you know I'm a full-time sports reporter for Anchor's Daily News. If you want to read some great feature stories from some young aspiring athletes, um, you can find me there too. Congratulations on that, man. I I don't know if I've said that already, but but really. 
it's always a you know a lifelong dream to become a sports reporter for a lot of people, and uh, and to be able to actually do it professionally is is just very cool. Is this your full time gig now, or do you have? Yes, you- sir. That is my, this is my full time gig. Thank the good Lord, because like I I was real, I was it was real. It's, you get real miserable kind of working in these dead end jobs that you know where you didn't not only did you not go to school for, but you feel like you're kind of wasting away. And no disrespect, sure. no disrespect to the Department of Transportation, you know, for the state of Alaska or you know for the municipality of Alaska, but uh, the my 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 permit issuing days and bus pass selling days are long behind me and i'm glad to be doing what i enjoy and what i love full time all right okay josh i'd love to have you back on for for uh, more shows this summer i hope uh, other folks out there if you'd like to be on a film study short i am eagerly accepting topics right now including people who want to do you know a series of shows is something that we've got to go on so we've got a great one coming up on the evolution of the game it's going to be four shows Really looking forward to doing that. The first recording for that is tomorrow night. So uh, we'll have them coming out about one per week over the next four weeks. I'm really looking forward to doing that one. If you want to hit me up, DMs are open on Twitter all the time. I respond very quickly to those. We might take a little more time to record, but love to hear from you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.